morning, church. Did you know that it is the confidence that you have in life that takes you through whatever it is you got to go through? The question is, is what's your confidence in? Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the last time you got invited to your high school reunion? Talk about a confidence drain. I mean, how, how many of you were invited to the high school reunion, and the first thing you thought is, I don't have anything to wear? <laughs> That's probably the ladies. If some of the guys said that, you're thinking a little bit too much about, about what you wear. Uh, but the guys thought this, I've lost way too much hair to go to my high school reunion. Some of the guys, <laughs> come on, go with me here. Some of the guys thought this, I'm not far enough along in life that I thought I would be in terms of my career, um, I have weight in areas I didn't have before. I, I don't know if I can go to my high school reunion. Do you remember that, like the weeks leading up to it? Am I talking to anybody in, in the room today? Uh, in, in fact, I, I knew a guy who went to his high school reunion, and he was nervous the whole time, and he gets there, and he, he looks in the window, and he said, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. There's a bunch of old people in there. <laughs> and the fact he was in the, right, in, in the right place. He went in eventually, and he had a good time, and it wasn't as bad as he thought. But the anxiety leading up to that, and the anxiety in our lives. Why? Because of a lack of something that we have in our lives called confidence. Now, I, I just want to be real with you today. Do I have permission to be real with you? If anybody besides you is shaking their head no, just go ahead and, and rib him and say he's getting ready to get real. And when I get real with you, I can promise you I've already been real with myself, and, and, I, and I say it in love. It could be something as simple as going to a high school reunion, or it could be a, a paralyzing fear that you have that you're not good enough in every situation that you walk into in life, um, maybe your scenarios are different, but the fact is, is the anxieties we face in life and the fears are the same. Maybe it's being introduced to somebody new, and all of a sudden something goes through you. I wonder if I'm going to be good enough. Or maybe it's starting a new job, and you're well-deserving of the job. Your track record says you're deserving of the job, but something inside of you says, I'm not good enough for this job, and something's going to happen eventually where that will be found out. Uh, it's tough. It's tough, and some of us experience this in massive degrees, and others of us experience it maybe in seemingly less degrees. But did you know, out of all the things that God says in the Bible, He made sure that you knew that you could walk confidently in this life. It's interesting, because there's so many things in the Bible that we read, so many promises that we read, so many reassuring stories that we read, so many things, the, the, the Bible is all-encompassing, and in that, he wanted to make sure that you knew, that I knew, that mankind knew that we could walk confidently in life. How to walk confidently, not only that, but where the source is to have that kind of confidence. And there's, there's so many verses that I could pull out. I, I was just thinking of a few as pre preparing. 1 John 5.14 says that the confidence, say confidence, the confidence we have in approaching God is when we ask Him according to His will. Philippians 4.13, this is a verse you probably have heard before. I can do all things through, through Christ who gives me strength. We're talking about confidence. I want to hinge on this. Jeremiah 17.7 says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. And then he clarifies, whose confidence is in him. Now you may have a translation in English that says hope, but the original word there in the Hebrew is this, is this sense of, of, of assurance and, and trust and strength confidence. You can have confidence in God. And, and we're starting a series today called, believe it or not, Confidence. <laughs> we're talking about all kinds of things, and we're going to learn how to get off the insecurity roller coaster. We're going to learn how to make choices to live confidently. And not only that, but we're going to learn through this how 
uh, to, to, to get secure in and of yourself, where you can pull that from, so that you can actually be a help to somebody else. Today, I, I want to do this. I want to lay the foundation of where that confidence is from. Because if you don't know where to pull confidence from, you're constantly going to be pulling it from the wrong place. And God tells us where. Fact is, is in this life, would you agree, there are many confidence boosters. And some of them are good, and a lot of them make us feel good for a time. Um, but honestly, if we're, if we're honest, a lot of them work for a time. And then it, it kind of pulls us back. It props us up for a time, makes us feel good about ourselves, but it doesn't last. And sometimes the things we look for confidence in, by the time it's over with, actually makes us feel worse and less confidence, confident than when we started. Um, anyone who's ever gone through a bad relationship or a bad breakup can understand that thing. What, what gave me confidence to start with actually turned and made me feel like I had less confidence than before. So I, I just want to start this out by naming three sources of, of, uh, of unreliable confidence. Can I do that? Sources that we go to that are unreliable. You ready? You ready? You have to talk to me today or else I, this is, uh, yeah. The, the first one, I had somebody in the front row just yes, 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 and follow their lead. The first one is this, how I look. How, how I look. It's, a, it's, it's an unreliable source of confidence. It's this myth that says if I, if I look good, I feel good, therefore I'm good. And we don't like to admit that, but the fact is, is that we buy into it. We, we buy into it. Jessica and I were taking our kids to a mall out of town yesterday, and uh, we do this thing where they get some Christmas money, and part of their Christmas is they get to go spend some of it at, at a mall. And so uh, we realized that we were going to go to either Raleigh or Durham, and on the way there, uh, I said, which one should we go to? So she picks up the, the list on the Internet of different stores they have. And I'm listening to them, and I'm waiting, like, for the toy stores. I just want the kids to walk into some place and go, wow, I want to get that. Just really exciting. And, and I realized that 95, I'm guessing, but somewhere around 95% of the stores that were there were, were clothing stores. <laughs> clothing stores, what we wear. And I'm like, why do we need that many clothing stores? And, and I, I don't know, but the fact of the matter is, is we get all bent out of shape trying to get name brands. Because when we look good in them, we feel good in them. Therefore, we feel like we are good. It's a multi-billion dollar industry because somebody's buying the clothes. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we, we, we feel good about ourselves whenever we wear certain things. Something else I've noticed is that labels used to be on the inside of clothes. You remember that when they were on the, on the tags? And now people walk around looking like they have sponsors because the labels are all down their sleeves and all down, all, all, all down their pants. I, I don't buy into it, but some people do. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not knocking anybody's style. Um, the point I'm trying to make is that it's all based on a myth. If I look good, I feel good, therefore, therefore I'm good. But the truth is, is if our confidence is based on how we look, we're headed for disappointment. Fact is, is that stuff doesn't last. Proverbs 31, first part of verse 30 it's actually talking about a virtuous woman, but the writer makes the point, charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. Now, how many of you can say, don't raise your hand, I don't look like I used to? <laughs> Everybody's laughing because they know it's true. I don't, we have a few people raising hands, just don't worry about it. You know, I don't look the same as I used to, because why? We're getting old, and <laughs> this is, we're, we're constantly getting older, and things don't sit like they used to. Beauty is what? In the eyes, it's, it's fleeting. Beauty is not something that's just on the outside, is it? We, we know this, but yet how much time do we spend trying to get our confidence from how we look on the outside? Do you know that we freak out about how we look from the time we're young to the time we're old? You know what the most tragic day in a teenager's life is? It's not when they fail a math exam or they bring home a wrecked car to dad. 
the most tragic day is when they get a zit on their nose on prom night. That's just, I mean, it's the most tragic day. And then when you get a little bit older, you know, things start to, you, you start to freak out about different things. Um, like the day you pull a comb through your hair and you get hair, <laughs> you know, on the, on, on the comb. And we start to freak out about that. Why do we do it? Why do those things bother us so much? And I'm not saying it shouldn't. But should it ruin us? Why does it bother us so much? If you follow that thought and that logic all the way down, it's, it's based on a myth. If I look good, then I feel good. Therefore, I'm good. 1 Samuel, verse 16, we, we're reading this story where Samuel's trying to figure out who God wants to anoint the next king of Israel. And there's this, there's this long line of great, big, studly-looking guys that should be named king. And God says, these aren't the ones. And Samuel says, well, is there anybody else that you have in your household? And they're like, no. Well, except for the young little runt of the litter. He's out there herding sheep. They say, go get him. He comes in. Nobody can believe. God said, that's him. And then he goes on to say, God, he doesn't see people the same way that others do. People look at the outside of a person, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, we, we're grateful for that. But sometimes when we get dressed and we look in the mirror, we don't act like it we act like he sees everything on the outside, but it's people that put such an emphasis on looks. God puts none. I want you to hear me say that. People put the emphasis on looks, and God puts none. Now, what am I saying? Don't look your best? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this. If you're basing your self-esteem and pulling your main source of confidence on how you look, you're setting yourself up for crash because it's an unreliable source. You get all dressed up, you look and fly, you're looking sharp, and you walk out, and a bird poops right on you. I mean, you just, you know, you look completely different than when, when you walked out. What does that mean? Does that mean you're done? No, it means looks are an unreliable source. Let me, let me say this. If you can't be confident without looking a certain way, then you've just agreed with me that looks are an unreliable source. There was a, a friend of mine named Robert I knew, uh, and I still know, and he was involved in a tragic accident years ago good-looking guy, good-looking family, and got in an automobile accident on, on Interstate 40. Somebody pulled out in front of the rig he was driving. It forced him to, to turn, crossed over several lanes of traffic, and his truck caught on fire. The man suffered, by the time it was over, with third-degree burns over 90% of his body. Spent almost, almost a year in the hospital. As a matter of fact, it was the worst case that the UNC Burn Center had ever seen and s watched someone survive. Over a year in the hospital, almost a year, uh, countless skin grafts. He looks different. He does. He does not look the same as he did before. Now, when we look at him and say, man, your confidence is gone. You can never have confidence again. Because let's get real. Because what we say, no, we would say confidence is not in all how you look. It's about the person. It's about you, man. You, you have it going on. You, you can still be confident. So if that's the case, where's his source? Where's the source? Where's the source of confidence? Here's the point. Looks are fleeting. Therefore, they are an unreliable source of confidence. They're a source of confidence. And I think we pull some confidence from that because they're a source. They're just not the source. They're unreliable. It's an unreliable source of confidence. Running a close second behind looks is this, how much I have. Another unreliable source of confidence that we dig into and we try to pull confidence from. Have you ever pulled up to an event? Be honest with yourself. Again, don't raise your hand. This is going to be full of uh, questions that you don't raise your hands with. Have you ever pulled up to an event and scoped out the rest of the cars in the parking lot and said, I don't deserve to be here <laughs> because your car maybe doesn't line up? You ever do that? Or have you ever been the other way? 
You pull up and you're like, man, I have just washed my car so I can show everyone how shiny my rims are. If you're honest with yourself, some of you fit in either of those categories coming to church today. You know, you, you're, well, you're in one of those. Uh, you've heard people brag all the time. Um, I, I have an imported car from Europe. You ever see those on the road? And you wonder how they even get here, you know, why, why they're here? Or somebody says, my, my bag is genuine leather. And you're like, so what? And somebody else, you know, my, my shirt is made from imported peach fuzz, you know, and you're like, well, how is your shirt even being held together right now? And, and people brag on all this stuff, and, and the myth is this, if I own more, then I'm worth more. But the, the root of that, if you follow that logic all the way, it's insecurity. It's I'm not good enough unless I have something that makes me feel good. So we buy things we don't need uh, to, with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. And that's a quote from Dave Ramsey, but it's true. I, I remember... When I was in third grade, I was waiting to be picked up in a car line at my elementary school, and there's kids everywhere. And I just want you to imagine the scene. Kids everywhere, the, the girl or guy you like's right down the thing there. You can just put yourself in this situation. Bustling kids are ready to go, and I'm waiting for someone to come and pick me up. And all of a sudden, I hear this vehicle with no muffler and smoke coming out of it. And it is rounding the corner uh, to come pick somebody up, <laughs> and, and I see somebody in it that looks an awful lot like my mom, and I, I said, what is this? This isn't, this isn't the car that she normally drives, and uh, it was mustard yellow with a lot of rust. I couldn't tell if it was rust or mustard yellow because they were so interchangeable, and she smiles, and she says, get in, and I looked around, and I'm like, she ain't talking to me. I know she's not talking to me, and, and my brother gets in because he's smaller than me, and he really doesn't care that much, and my sister, she didn't know any better, so she gets in, and I looked at her and smiled and walked home. <laughs> that, that is a true story, and I was preparing for this message, and I actually called her this week and apologized. <laughs> I said, my, I am so sorry I did that. I was so embarrassed as a kid, and I don't know if, if, if you've experienced something like that, but, but why? Why are we so embarrassed? Well, we're fearful that if I don't live up to a certain standard, then I'm not going to be accepted. I'm not going to be accepted, and so what do I do? I pull from these unreliable sources of confidence to try to make myself feel better. And they're unreliable. They're here one second and they're gone the next. There was a, a, a report from Psychology Today, a survey. It said 74% of Americans believe that money is how we keep score. 74% of Americans think that what I have and what standard of living I have is the way that I keep score. But it's just like appearance. If, if you're basing your self-esteem on what you have, you're setting yourself up for a crash. That's what some reports said. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 11:7. It says, when the wicked die, hope dies with them. Their hope and riches will come to nothing. That means that you may have a million dollars, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel like a million dollars. And even if it does, what happens when the economy crashes or the stock market goes? What happens when you downsize in your job and you no longer have that status that you thought you would have? I'm looking around the room, and there's enough people in here that I, I know. There's people who had something at one time they put their confidence in, and in a second it was gone. They never saw it coming. Looks and stuff. They're, they're sources of confidence, but they're unreliable sources. Third one is, is how much I've done. We, we put our confidence in a very unreliable way in what we've accomplished in this life. Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, this is what he says in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 23. starts out, this is what the Lord says. By the way, if you ever read that, really pay attention to what they say next. The wise must not brag about their wisdom. 
The strong must not brag about their strength, and the rich must not brag about their money. Let me ask you another rhetorical question. How many of you find it really easy to hinge your confidence on a college degree that you have? How many find it really uh, appealing to hinge your confidence on a business that you've started? And, and, and it feels good. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't be proud of those things. They're great accomplishments. But what I'm, what I'm saying is and asking is how many of you hinge your confidence on those things? Because Jeremiah goes on to write this in verse 24, which is the very next verse. He says, if somebody wants to brag, let him brag that he understands and knows me. Have strength, have wisdom, have, have money. He says, but if you really want to brag about something, if you really want to place your confidence in something, let him do it because he understands and he knows me. And, and in case you're wondering, God never said, don't look your best. God, God never says, don't accomplish things. And he certainly doesn't say, contrary to some people's b- beliefs, don't have money. God never says that. In fact, if you read through the scriptures, you'll see where some of the godliest people in scriptures were the, were the wealthiest. Because God blessed them so much. Why? Because they didn't put their confidence in that stuff. They put their confidence in him. And therefore, when he poured resources into their life, they knew what to do with it. They didn't place their confidence in it. So guess what? They didn't hold on to it. Because you hold on to the things tight that you put your confidence in. And if it's money, then what are you going to do? You're going to hold money tight. If it's the Lord, you let go of resources and you will hold on tight to the Lord and things begin to pass through you. And because of that, these, some of these people were some of the wealthiest. He, he downplays this stuff, not because he doesn't want you to have it. God downplays these things because he doesn't want it to have you. He, he, he wants you. He, and he wants you to put your confidence and your dependence on him and not stuff. He made us to relate with and depend on, on him. And he knows if you base your confidence on anything that's fleeting, anything that's temporary, anything that could possibly be taken away, then what happens is your confidence goes with it when it goes. And God wants you to live confidently. So what is our source of confidence? What, I've, I've talked about some unreliable sources. What, what is the, the, the source of confidence that's unwavering? What is the source of confidence that's reliable? You know, I am so glad you came here to ask that question. I just want to tell you. It, it is from putting your faith and your hope in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That can never be taken away from you, ever. And I'm not, I'm not talking about just some facade or an association with Christ. I'm talking about a relationship with him. Now, I just want to say this right here. I'm getting ready to get real because I'm, I'm real. I know for some of you that seems just as uncertain as some of this other stuff I've been talking about. I get it. And I'm talking about people who, who know you're on your way to heaven, but it seems uncertain because it's, it's mysterious. This relationship with Jesus, maybe church is mysterious to you and, and you, you, you base your knowledge of it on coming here. We can do that. It's tangible. But this relationship with God is not tangible. How, how do I do that? I never know where I stand with God. You ever think that? I, I don't ever know where I stand with him. And I just want to say, if, if, you're, if you're not drawing full confidence from the God who made you and the God who died for you, then money and clothes don't have a chance, okay? God, he, he is the creator of the universe, and he died for you, and he loves you. Nothing else can compare to that. So the question is this, how do I know where I stand with God? Because sometimes it is a mystery, because it's not tangible, something that we can see and feel. How do I know? How do I, how do I know my worth? How do I walk confidently in this life? I, I want to know. Am I asking a question that maybe you're, you're echoing in your heart? Maybe today, right now, or maybe at time? Because I, I remember a kid at, at youth camp. It seemed like summer after summer of going to youth camp, attending, and then I, then I started working at, at camp. And, and I, I realized this. Every summer, 
the same teenagers would go forward. You know, at the end of a, a service that we would have, and they would ask people if they wanted to know Christ, the same teenagers from last summer would, would come and, and get saved all over again. And, and I remember thinking, wow, what, what's up with this? How did that happen? Um, why are they going up again? And then I got freaked out, and I'm like, well, well maybe I need to go. <laughs> you know, I don't know where they're going. I didn't get the memo. Is Do I need to go again? Maybe I'm not good like I thought I was. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like in your walk with Christ, you just, you don't know whether you're good with God or not? Every time you mess up, every time you fail, or every time something happens and you don't feel like you measure up, you, you wonder where you and God are. You're unsure about your relationship with Jesus all over again. I think that happens a lot more than we'd like to admit. And I just want to say this before I go any further. God wants you to be confident about your relationship with him. He, he, his desire is for you to walk on this planet knowing where you stand with him, without a doubt. Think about a dad who, who leaves town maybe to go on a business trip, and he gathers his kids together, and he says, I'm going away, and I'm coming back, and I love you. And I'm, if you're like me, man, I like to get, I don't care if my child's 15 or not, I get all up in his neck like he's four. I don't care. He hates it, but I do it. And, and my other ones, you dad, your beard is stretchy, you're scratchy. I don't care. Get in here. You know, I love you. I want you to know it. I'm leaving. I'm coming back, and that's what we do as parents, don't we? In some form or fashion. I might be a little bit more aggressive than some of you. I, I like to get in my kids' faces. It's okay. But can you imagine a dad, like, leaving, going, you know what? I don't know if I'm coming back or not. <laughs> you know, and in fact, I don't even know if you're my kids. <laughs> I'll see you. Nobody would do that. Why would God do that? God wants you to know where you stand with him, not, not leave you walking along this earth, wondering if he's really your father, wondering if you're worthy of him, wondering if, where you stand with him. He wants you to know. He wants his kids to know. God wants you to know you're his. So I want to give you the source of true confidence. And I want to talk to you just very briefly two ways that you can plug into this confidence that will not waver and that will not fade. Are you ready? Now, these may be phrases you've heard before, but I want you to listen to me. Two ways. Here we go. The first one is this. My unwavering confidence is in God's grace not my works. My unwavering confidence doesn't move, doesn't budge, is in God's grace, not my works. And here's why I bring it up. Because if confidence is in what you do for God, then we're back to your ability and we're back to an unreliable source. Because you make mistakes, I make mistakes, we're prone to do that, and we're capable of them. Confidence comes when, when you do this. Confidence comes when you accept that God loves you and died for you in spite of those things. Then, a byproduct of that is doing works joyfully and thankfully. You can't not be confident in, in your worth to God if it depends on what you do. And I see a lot of people trying to do things. They, they don't even realize they're doing it, but they're doing things to try to be worthy of God. And, and they don't realize it, but they're some of the most unconfident people I've ever met because they're still trying to earn it and knowing that they could never be worthy of a perfect God in an imperfect state, but they, they try. Sometimes it's even unconscious. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, it's, it's so clear. It says, God saved you by His, say it, by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. And that, that word there indicates something that's far more than just a cookie-cutter you. You're a beautiful work that God made uniquely with his fingerprints all over you. I saw a statistic that said that, that there cannot be another you. 
it's, it's impossible. And the, the likelihood that there could be another you with DNA that matches exactly yours, it was like some odd, uh, the, the odds were, were some number that if each digit was an inch wide, it would stretch 37 miles. That there could be somebody like you. There, there's nobody like you. He, you're his masterpiece. And he created us anew in Christ Jesus. There's that grace part. So we can do good things. And by the way, they were good things that he planned a long time ago. We read that, and, and we, we kind of get it. God has grace. God loves me. I can't work my way into the kingdom of God. But then I still face my inner self, and, and I still face accepting that. And I, here's what I've come to realize. As humans, we don't have a problem accepting God's love. We just want to earn it. We just want to earn it. And you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. And I want you to have a, a sense of self-awareness as I say this. It is extremely embarrassing and uncomfortable, especially those that have secret low self-esteems. By the way, a lot of times the people that have the lowest self-esteems are the, are the loudest out front. They're the ones that have the biggest personalities because they're hiding something. It, and it is uncomfortable and embarrassing to, to stand there and let anybody lavish their love on you unconditionally without having done something to earn it. We know God loves us, but we don't accept that God loves us on the inside because it's embarrassing and uncomfortable to stand there and, and let God lavish His love. That's a biblical word. Lavish His love on you when you haven't done anything to deserve it. Nothing. And I've come to realize you, you'll never fight knowing that God loves you. The fight is going to be accepting all of that love as your complete worth, despite what you secretly think about yourself, not having anything to earn it, nothing. Finding your complete confidence in God, it means this, it means opening up and going to that place that you like least about yourself and letting God love you and accepting that he loves you right there and there in that space, despite whether you have what it takes to fix it or not. Now, I just opened up a can of real on you. And I, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is making that connection. Because we, we know God loves us, but he loves us for the good that we do. That, that place in your life, that place in your heart that you like least about yourself, that place in your heart that you can't do anything to fix it. Let God in that room and accept his love with nothing you can do to fix it. And God loves me there. That's hard. Because a lot of us in this room have pasts. A lot of us in this room have hurts that if I'm being completely honest with you, we hold on and own those hurts more than we're owning God's love in that hurt. And we're letting that control what we do and how we treat people. We're letting that control what we say to people. We're letting that control how we, how we navigate through this world called church. Unbeknownst to us, sometimes we're trying to earn God's love and it can't be done. Why? Because God extends grace that's not based on what you do for him. It's not based on how well you manage your hurt. It's not based on how well you handle your dysfunction in your life. It's based on you standing there, completely broken, <laughs> completely embarrassed, because it's embarrassing. It is uncomfortable to, to let God into that place where you can't do anything with it and accept his love there. In fact, just sitting here right now, thinking about that place in me, it's hard. I fight it. God, don't, don't love me there. That's embarrassing. Don't love me right in that spot. I, I, I don't deserve that. Let me do something. Let me serve. 
let me, let me greet in the parking lot. Let me look like I'm doing something good so that that place can be kind of covered up with that. Love me, you know, with the mild things that I've, I've done wrong. Love me with the things that I do right. Love me because I've changed and I'm on my way to heaven. But Lord, that, that dysfunction, that, that addiction, that, that, that place that I don't like about myself because I feel like it's a fault. And I'm not necessarily talking about sin. Sometimes it's just parts of our personality that we wish that God were different. That, that place on our body that we wish was different. And God loves you there. Right there. He, he loves you in the hurt. He loves you in that uncomfortability. And I'm going to say it like this because this is what it feels like. Stand naked before him. Now, can I say something that is uncomfortable? <laughs> can I say something to make us all uncomfortable? We, we, we can't even stand and, and stare at our own selves naked physically without feeling a little bit of uncomfortability. The fact is, is that God loves every inch of you inside and out. And until you can stand before him completely and spiritually naked, then you're never going to know what true confidence is because you're always going to be doing something, pulling from an unreliable source to make up for that lack. The source of confidence that you have is in his grace, in that place in your life not what you can do for him. My unwavering confidence, secondly, is in a relationship with Jesus, not just a prayer once prayed. Your unwavering confidence is in a relationship with Jesus, not just a prayer that you once prayed. Now, I, I need you to hear me say something for all of you who, who want to stone me right now. The prayer that you prayed when you accepted Christ, that is important because that's, it's, it's a starting place. In fact, Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That, that's a prayer. And for some of you, that happened in your heart. Some of you spoke that out. For some of you, you were at church building. Some of you, you were at home, maybe in your car. I don't know, but the prayer was important, but it's your starting place. It's not your confidence throughout your life. Okay? There's a lot of people that pray that prayer, and they have no clue where they are with God today. They, they prayed the prayer, I, I believe, a lot of them are on their way to heaven, but they, they live their life unconfidently. They, they don't know where they are. Jesus makes this really bold statement in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, just to kind of shock us into reality here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only, who, only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Now, many's going to say to me on that day when they face God, Lord, Lord, we, we, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? He said, man, we, we not only prayed the prayer, we did the powerful stuff. We, we were doing the work. And he says, I'm going to tell them plainly, some of them, I never knew you. And then he calls them evildoers. I mean, this is, this is crazy to me. They, they pray this prayer. Confidence in your salvation requires so much more than saying a prayer. It requires a relationship. I'm not talking about this, this sense of eternal security, and, and that's not the argument I'm making. The point I'm trying to make to you is the confidence as you walk through this life and in your worth in Jesus Christ is not going to be hinged on a prayer you prayed a long time ago. It's going to be hinged on your current posture with him, your relationship with him. Can I illustrate this for you? Where's Chad and Brittany? Chad and Brittany are right here. Come on up, Chad and Brittany. Now, I don't know if you know, but Chad played the drums this morning, and he, every beat, Chad was, was beating it. And uh, they are, and Brittany's his wife, and they serve in the church. They're super servers. They serve ushers, too. Hey, Chad, I want you to stand right here this time. And, and Brittany, I want you to come over here uh, with, with me. And, and I want you to imagine, Chad, that you're Jesus. 
Does Chad look like Jesus? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Jesus looks like. But it, 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 for this illustration, Chad is Jesus. And Brittany is somebody who comes to Jesus, and, and they want new life in Jesus. And so what does Brittany do? Brittany comes. Come on, just stand in front of, in front of Chad here. Yeah, yeah, just like this. I'm going to move you around a little bit. And, and I'm going to stand on this side so you can see better. And, and she says, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Go ahead, tell him. No, don't tell him that. Just <laughs> They're married. He's going to go home and hold that against her. No, I, I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that Jesus or God raised you from the grave, and I, I want new life in you. you. You are the Lord of my life, right? And Jesus says, of course, I accept you. I died for you. I love you. And then, and then Brittany uh, walks through life. She just walks through life knowing that she prayed that prayer. And it's, it's beautiful, and we're going to walk everywhere. And just, she's journeying through life, and, she's, and she hits a snag like we all do. And sometimes she fails. And what do we do instinctively? What we do is we hold out this, this prayer card that we once prayed that is a certificate that Jesus gave us that said we were saved, and we want to know if it's still valid. And so what do we do? We go back to Jesus. Jesus, I've messed up, and I need you to help me understand if I'm still saved, right? And we, we do this all and over again, and Jesus, sure, he confirms and he validates and says, I, I love you, and, and, and yes, I died for you, and, and yes. You can be sure of me. And then, so, so Brittany walks through life again, and she walks through life, and there's, there's snags, and there's hang-ups, and sometimes, sometimes there's failures. And we're unsure because we don't quite know what's going to happen, so what do we do? We, we pull out the, the I once prayed a prayer card, and we go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm praying again. Is this, is this still valid? Is this still worth it? Does that, does, that, does, that, does that ring anybody's bell in here? Does everybody go through life sometimes feeling like, I just don't know. I know I prayed the prayer. I, I believe that Jesus is with me. But when I, when I mess up, I am unsure about my relationship with Jesus. Your confidence is not based on a prayer you prayed a long time ago, which, by the way, if, if you don't have that relationship, which is the source, it's going to keep you coming back to that prayer. Let me show you a different way to do this. So Brittany comes to Jesus the first time and says, Jesus, I, I love you. I want to be with you. I, I believe that you died for me and raised from the grave, and I, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And instead of walking through life holding a prayer card, she actually walks through life with Jesus holding her. Isn't this great? Yeah. I would say just give her a big kiss, but Jesus wouldn't do that. I don't think Jesus would do that. Wait, wait till you're done playing Jesus. <laughs> and, so, and so they begin to walk. They, they walk through life. And there's all kinds of struggles and mishaps and hang-ups. And uh, don't go too far. Come back this way. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden now, Brittany faces that same struggle where she messes up or she fails or, or she's just wondering and she doesn't really know where she is in Jesus. She's hitting a dark spot in life. And what does she do? She doesn't have to run to Jesus because she looks up and where is Jesus? He's right there with her. She, she's not walking through life, holding on to something she did a long time ago. She's walking through life in relationship with the one that she prayed to. And he's holding her. And instead of being unsure, instead of not being confident, she's resting in him. <laughs> now, Brittany right now is, is pretty comfortable right now. She, she is resting in him. She doesn't, she's not wondering if Chad's going to walk her off the edge of the stage or, or if Chad's going to you know, throw her over there into that keyboard or anything like that. She's resting. Chad's got his arms around her. She's got his arms around Chad. And Jesus holds you. It's, it's not about going backwards and wondering. It's about looking up. Where's, who am I in relationship with? And Jesus is right there to give you that assurance. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Brittany. There's belief, and then there is a declaration 
in faith. There is saying I did something, saying I believe in Jesus, and then there's actually doing something with it and walking with him. Every single one of you came into the room today, and whether you did it consciously or not, you looked at the chair and you thought, you know what, I'll bet that chair is sturdy enough to hold me. But do you know how I know you actually made the decision and are walking in relationship with that chair? Because of the, the posture you're in right this second. You actually sat down and rested your full weight on that chair. You're not standing beside it, looking at it, saying you look like a very nice chair. I could, I could, I could sit down on you. <laughs> you're resting in it. You haven't thought one time, I wonder if this chair is going to break. There's a difference in and believing in something there's a difference in putting your faith in it and walking in it Jesus says you matter to me and I want to walk with you I don't want you walking around unconfidently I don't want you walking around wondering where you are with me I don't want you walking around pulling from unreliable sources of confidence because they're, they're fleeting. They're here one second and they're, they're gone the next. I want you to have all that stuff. I believe Jesus says this. I believe, I believe that God says it. I believe the word is true, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father and he is able and willing to do more than we could ever ask or think. God is a God of supply, of infinite supply. He, he's a God that never changes. And the word says that we are blessed according to what he has, his riches and his glory, which is, is infinite. It's not that he doesn't want you to have that stuff in a time and a capacity where your life can hold it. He doesn't want you to put your confidence in it. And he says, I want you to walk with me. Whether you go through a, a time where you have earned that college degree and there's, there's businesses beating your door down, or whether you have, have graduated and you have no job offers, or you dropped out of school and didn't, didn't pursue it at all, whether you are in a relationship with somebody who seemingly values you or whether you're not in a relationship at all and praying for one and you're going through a dark time or maybe you're in struggling with your relationship. There is so many ups and downs in life. And Jesus says I, you can be confident through all of that. But it's not going to be because you put your, your rest and your trust in some of those things that are here one second and gone the next. You're going to be confident in who you are facing every bit of that. Knowing the one that loves you and died for you and loves that that, that weird part in your life that you don't want anybody to see, that loves that uncomfortable hurt, that loves that, 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 uh, that insecurity, that loves that void, that you think nothing else can help or fill, and God says, I can fill it. I love that. I love that part of you, and I want you to let me in. And whenever you get comfortable and confident knowing that he loves you there, it doesn't matter what you face. You can be confident. You can know. We read a verse a bit ago in, in Jeremiah 17, verse 7. It says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And then he, he says this in verse 8. I want to I read it to you. He says, when you do that, you're like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. You, you can go through the darkest time of your life, he said, and still be confident because you know what your source is. Sometimes you, you feel like you're, you're dead on the inside. You're, you're, there's nothing in you that has life. And he says, your leaves can, your leaves can still be green. <laughs> you can still have life in you when, you're, when your source is rooted into the stream. He, he says those words here. When, when your source is rooted in God, you, you, you can't not be confident in that. 
And he says, not only will you have life, he said, but even when there's drought, even when you go through the worst time of your life, he says, you can still bear fruit. You'll find blessings coming into your life that you never knew that were possible. You'll find uh, people surrounding you that you didn't even knew existed. You'll find his blessings coming from the left and the right in front of you. Sometimes they hit you from behind and you didn't even see them coming. When? When you're confident in him and your source is in him. And this is what I love about the fruit. You ever ride your bike or go on a run? Some of you may not do that. Maybe you just drive and you see an orchard or or, or a tree and, and it's got fruit all over it. And it's beautiful, and you're so tempted, especially if you're running or riding a bike, just to go grab one, grab a piece. Don't do that. But you're just so tempted to go grab a piece. Why? Because it's beautiful, it's alluring, it's attractive. And I believe when God begins to bear fruit in your life, it's going to be the most attractive thing that other people have seen. And they will come to you, and they'll say things like, man, at your age, how are you blessed this much? Or going through what you went through, man, how, how are you this blessed? Or, man, at, at your age or at your, your stage in life, how are you still going like this? How are you still doing the things that I wish I could still do? Man, you, you, you have so much. Sometimes it's material things. Sometimes it's not. But it'll, it'll be attractive to people. And that's what God will do in your life. Not only put a confidence in you that will give you life and bear fruit, but it will do something in you that you'll be influential to everybody around you your family, your friends, people that God wants to use you to touch and reach. And it starts with this. It starts with knowing where your confidence is and putting your trust in it. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you. And maybe you're here today and you you want someone to pray for you like one-on-one. Our prayer team is going to come right now and, and there's somebody here who can pray for you. Let's pray together. God, I... I know I'm talking to a, a group here and maybe some people listening online that, that need you. There is, we all have the, the propensity to draw from these unreliable sources of confidence. Every one of us. I talk to people all the time. They're hard workers. And, and that's one of the things that you, you love about them. They work so hard and that's their personality. But that same trait can also cripple us when we try to work so hard to make ourselves worthy of you. And God, I, I just speak against that right now. I just, Holy Spirit, I'm relying on you to, to make these connections right here. God, I, I pray that, that hardworking people would learn where their confidence really is. And then you take that characteristic about them and, and make them some of the hardest working people for your kingdom that, you, that anyone's ever seen. With the most fruit, with the most blessing, with the, with the most power in their lives. Lord, for those in the room who have had a perpetual I don't even know what to call it, but it's, it's this, this thinking, this heart set that just doesn't feel good enough. I curse that in the name of Jesus. You paid too big of a price. You, you made people too unique. You came to this earth. You left heaven to die on a, on a cross, a physical cross. You took on the wrath of God because you loved them. You loved every part of them. You didn't love the good parts of them. You loved every part. Holy Spirit, show us that. Give us a glimpse of how much we are loved. And I pray with the power of the Holy Spirit that, Lord, you would would show them to stop putting their confidence in other things that's fleeting. 
Because we, we all know, anybody who here, who's here and, and feels that way knows that it's just a day after day thing. I always don't feel good enough and I always try to pull things into my life that make me feel good. It's always like my, my neck's just above water. Some days I get a little bit higher than that and can breathe a little better, but most of the time it's a day by day thing. I just don't feel good enough. Lord, you're, you're too big. You never change. You're the same yesterday. You're the same today. You're the same forever. You, you don't waver like that. So our unwavering confidence, Lord, help us to see how much you love us. I pray that in the name of Jesus. I pray we'd get real with ourselves and not put on this facade of, of, of good, not this facade of being confident. I've learned there's so many good things that the church has to offer these days, and some of those very same things can be such a cripple for us. It can cripple us. I pray we'd get our priorities straight, and I, I pray that each one of us would have a, a, a gift that we give ourselves called self-awareness. And maybe it is uncomfortable to accept your love, because it's uncomfortable to even think of ourselves in places that hurt. But I pray we'd, we'd find the revelation today that you even love that, the things that we hate about ourselves personality traits, the things that we think are, aren't good about ourselves, and we don't want anyone to see it, and we do so much to cover it up. Lord, I, I pray in the Jesus' name, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you penetrate that part and begin to show us how much you, you just love that. You, you see it every day when we think thoughts, and you, you see it. Like, like a parent sees a little kid doing his own thing, in his, of his own business, and it's just so endearing. We just love them so much. Help us to make that connection that you love us that much, and more. Let us get uncomfortable with that, because it's uncomfortable. But don't let us run from it. You know, it's only then can we be confident and walk through this life that way. I, I know there's people here that God's speaking to that maybe hasn't put their trust in Him at all, or maybe for the first time in a very long time, you're at a place where, where you're, you have a question mark about where you're going to spend eternity. It's not even a matter of living confidently here. If you, tragically, if something happened today, God forbid, you, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. And I want you to know that there is a God who loves you, and he knew you before you got here today. And the Bible says he had plans for you, and he, he was speaking highly of you long before he ever made the earth. And he had plans to send Jesus, his son, to die in your place to make you worthy of him. And he says, I want you to choose me today. And my, my prayer is that you be bold enough to say yes to him today. I'm, I'm just going to pray out loud. God hears your heart. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in your heart. He hears you. That's the beautiful part about God. He doesn't make this complicated, but I wonder if you'd say yes to him today. God, I need you. If I could fix my own spiritual state, my own void inside of me, that part that I, I can't seem to fill with peace, I would have done it already and I can't. I need you. I, I believe that you came to this earth to die for me. I believe that God raised you from the grave. And I believe you, you took care of the sin problem that I have, that void that I feel inside of me that I haven't told anybody about, that, that maybe I, I don't let anybody see. I believe you died for that. And I can't stand before a perfect God in a perfect heaven and expect to get in on being an imperfect person. I'm not perfect. Jesus, I rest in your perfection. I rest in what you did for me. And I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't even know necessarily how I'm going to get through the rest of the day. But this I do know. I'm aiming my heart at you. And I'm letting you be the, the decision maker in my life. 
I want you to be my Savior, saving me from my own sin. And I also want you to be my Lord for the rest of the time that I'm on this earth. I want to live confidently knowing that my, my trust is in you and that you are my source. And that you love me when the people that are closest to me abandon me. You still love me. You've always loved me. And you're always going to. And I want to walk in that. And I pray that in Jesus' name.